Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today.
today is Friday. It is uh, June 7th, 2019. Coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, that trifling, no good for nothing, Linda Fairstein. The woman who was behind the Central Park Five going to jail. Guess what? Dropped today by her publisher. Damn good reason. Also, the Women Grow Leadership Summit started in D.C. today. Uh, we'll talk to the president and CEO about black women in the cannabis industry. Also, Congressman Mark Vesey has a plan to honor the 320th Battalion, the black troop that helped defeat Hitler on D-Day. Also, we'll talk with the mother of Tamir Rice. As Cleveland, they are trying to rehire the cop who murdered her son, Tamir Rice. She'll join us. She says it is time to put a stop to this nonsense. Also, speaking of nonsense, in North Carolina, Reverend William Barber convicted of trespassing at the 2017 General Assembly protest. Right. How can a man be caught trespassing, but it was the First Amendment? Wait till you hear what his response is. Plus, Taraji P. Henson, she was in D.C. today on Capitol Hill talking about black youth suicide. We have some of that. And also, honoring the first African-American to win a PGA-sanctioned tournament, Pete Brown, taking place in Oklahoma. All right, folks, it's time to bring the funk. Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's Coming for Linda Fairstein, she's the woman who was behind the conviction of the Central Park Five. Remember, uh, she resigned from two boards, including Vassar College. Well, today her publisher dropped her. All of this after the Netflix drama series When They See Us debuted last Friday. Uh, and so here we are a week later. Public pressure has been building against her. Of course, uh, Raymond Santana, uh, as well as Youssef Salam, they've been leading a petition to get her dropped. They also want Amazon not to sell her books. Uh, more than 50,000 folks have signed that petition on change.org. And so now she loses her publishing deal. The hashtag cancel Linda Fairstein. This movement has been spreading on social media. Remember also by Monday, after she got lit up by many of us over the weekend, she canceled her all of her social media accounts. Now, and also the Mystery Writers of America withdrew their lifetime achievement honor for her, as well as Glamour Magazine and other authors protested. And so none of this could happen to a nastier person. So glad to see it. So Linda, we hope your ass go broke for what you did to the Central Park Five. All right, folks, let's talk about uh, our next story. Today's the beginning of the 2019 Women Grow Leadership Summit uh, taking place here in Washington, D.C. This is the sixth year in a row they've held this. It's the largest professional network that connects, educates, and empowers female leaders in the cannabis industry. Here to talk about why this is so critically important, Gia Moran, president of the Women Grow Leadership Summit and CEO, Dr. Shonda, uh, is it Messias? Macias? Macias. Macias. All right, here we go. So let's get right to it. First of all, how did this start? How did y'all get involved in the cannabis industry? And were y'all users? 
<laughs> or you entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs. <laughs> Yep, definitely. I'll start it off. Yeah. So um, I did my research at Howard University. I studied prostate cancer, metastasis to bone. So when I was actually researching it, we found that cannabis had some medicinal benefits. Mm -hmm. But because I went to a HBCU, they were like, oh, if you study this, you're going to go to prison. <laughs> and I was Smart like, Did said that? Oh, yeah. We already know how the impact on um, the war on drugs impacted the black community. So it's not like it's hidden. It created a pipeline to prison. And therefore, our community is still not embracing that narrative. But there's people making billions in this industry. White people. <laughs> no, see, we, we're specific on this show. Yes, okay, and we're not a part of that. So us creating the platform at Women Grow is to actually show that there are black women that are now bringing awareness that you can engage in this industry. So for me, I'm coming from a financial services background, and so I had practices... For everybody at home, I mean, get paid. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I worked on Wall Street for 15 <laughs> years. How's that? Is that clean enough? There you go. That's right. Um, but for that matter, I, you know, worked over the years watching channels like CNBC and Bloomberg, watching the financial markets. And so when I began to see cannabis coverage um, happening on CNBC and Bloomberg and not seeing any reflections of my community, that was a call to action for me. So I recognized early on um, especially having worked in financial services, to look at the trends and outlooks. And I've often seen what trends and outlooks do to our community. They move ahead while we stay behind. And so one of my goals was to make sure that not only did I become a part of this, but that we brought other people from our communities into this industry to show what the opportunities were. So I see, I think the mistake that, that often happens, is so this always happens, I think, for, for a lot of us, and that is, we deal with the social justice part first, and we deal with money last. So, so I'll unpack that. Um, I had a conversation with another company, um, and they're actually one of our um, one of our uh, sponsors, and we were having a discussion about uh, some uh, different events, and they wanted to talk about expungement. I was like, mm -mm. let the folks who do expungement talk about expungement. I said, somebody has to specifically talk about the money part. Because I think what happens all too often for African Americans, we want to deal with the criminal justice part, the social justice part, which I totally understand, as opposed to say, okay, for the folks who do that, let them do that, but somebody has to explicitly talk about what this means financially for us and what we must be focusing on financially. And that, to me, I think, is what we always have to have to be thinking about, not just always how we were impacted by folks who were arrested who are still in jail. There are people who do that, but somebody has to say, no, this is about us getting paid off of an industry where others are making billions when we actually have already paid the price in another way. So you're just preaching to the choir. There's less than 4% ownership of African Americans in the cannabis industry today when there's thousands of plant-touching businesses. And so this is what we're trying to address is that the cannabis industry is moving so fast that if we pause and stop, we'll be left behind. Instead, we need to work simultaneously with what, you know, social justice, social justice reform, but also think about businesses and cannabis. And there's no reason why that we can't work together as a collective. Mm -hmm. Working towards the same thing, but we're all on assignment. 
we use the skill sets and the talents that we have and we apply it to those areas of which we um, are most passionate about. So Dr. Shonda is passionate about the medicine and the plant and her patients. She's also very passionate about business, but it's very important that we divide, I don't want to say and conquer, but we divide and become more successful in this space versus bridging together just in one space. We need to play the field in this industry. And we, we talk about, again, what's happening. We know what's, obviously California was happening in Colorado, but then, of course, here in D.C., but uh, also I think black state legislators are now also getting smart about it. Uh, the reason they have uphold, they are holding it up in New Jersey, New York, because the black folks are saying, no, 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 we are not supporting this unless we guarantee black folks are getting their fair share. Uh, that was the issue in Maryland, yeah. uh, where they moved ahead but did not ensure that we were a part of that. And so you only had uh, uh, one or two African-Americans with, with dispensaries uh, in Maryland. And so the last thing we can have is, again, us greatly impacted on the on the criminal justice side and then, again, left out on the economic side. Well, I agree with you on that, and I can attest that having... I'm a New Yorker myself and very much a part of the coalition in New York that's working towards adult legalization and making sure that um, our communities that have been most impacted are very much included in this bill and that we're not left behind and that equity starts from day one. Well, and I'm going to chime in there because the, the true issues is that, you know, in our New York platform, we went to Emmanuel Baptist Church and we were able to stand in the pulpit and talk about the medicinal benefits of cannabis. But, you know, truthfully, the church has been our pushback as well very conservative. We've been able to make it through certain of those platforms, mm -hmm. but when we go back into our community, since we've been plagued so much and our community has been imprisoned, that they don't want to have this conversation. They don't want to have um, to discuss the implications, whether it's about money or if it's about health care. So these are the challenges we face just in our communities, period. Well, but, but, but again, I think it all goes back to education. And mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if, when you don't know, you don't know. And so if, if, if you, I mean, look, I don't care who you are. If you've grown up multi-generations and when you hear marijuana, when you hear weed, uh, you think of uh, folks who are getting high, won't have the munchies. You think of people who are breaking the law. I mean, mm -hmm. you, have, you have all of those um, uh, stereotypes that go along with it. And so now all of a sudden you're shifting from what is illegal to now what is legal and then now what is commerce. And yes, it's a different conversation, which is why I think you have to have various platforms that are talking about this here. And also, I think it's important to walk folks through to get them to understand uh, that, that, that the, the, the barriers, of, barriers to entry have also been lowered. Uh, and that is, what are the available uh, opportunities? We had a couple of years ago, uh, we interviewed Montel Williams. We talked about, he has a couple of, pub yeah. pub uh, a couple of publicly traded companies. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that. And so his whole deal was like, look, this is not where, okay, you need $25,000 to be able to get into this. He's like, look, here's a publicly traded stock uh, where you can be able to access. And again, it's just, it's just to me, it's, it's, it's this constant state of education because so many, so many of us simply don't know because that's just not what we do. And that's the platform we have at Women Grow. We educate. The, the, How many folks you have there? So today we had over 600 participants, and we were really excited about that. But with the challenges of even educating the population, we can't advertise for the event. Facebook will shut us down. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry, why? 
because it's a legal substance. We cannot advertise even an educational event. Still. Yes. Okay, what do you mean you can't advertise? You can't say... Facebook has a ban against, um, even if you're licensed or not even touching the um, plant, we cannot advertise on Facebook. Okay, you, you couldn't even advertise that you're having a summit? No. Mm -mm. And, and, and going a step further and explaining that this is a women's conference and that we promote entrepreneurship and women in business and that our goal is to get more women into the cannabis industry and our advertisements and promotions were continuously shut down. Really? Only on Facebook? No, Instagram will delete your page. Well, Facebook owns Instagram. Well, well yes. Right. So that's our challenges. And a lot of... So um, how do you get around that? Grassroots campaign, talking to you, um, bringing awareness in any way we can. And so that's where the movement is. And that's why the education hasn't gotten out. We're stunned by the federal government. That's, now that's real interesting there in terms of, uh, in terms of those platforms. Um, and so if that's the case, um, have you had the same issues on radio? We don't get all the opportunities that we could get because this is still very conservative and a muted point. So no, what I'm saying is, but can you do, I mean... Oh, radio uh, ads? No radio ads, no. but we can go on... Radio interviews? Yes, we can That's do radio interviews. Yeah. Yes, got absolutely. It, got it, got it. So the, what, what Sean is explaining is that in terms of advertisement, so beyond social media, even print advertisement, we can advertise in our industry trades, but when you look at mainstream media, very rarely do you see cannabis advertisement. Now, in terms of large uh, conferences, I have seen billboards, but those are more regional mm -hmm. as versus national exposure. So it continues to be grassroots, and you really do need to be within the industry to know what's happening, which, pivoting to your point earlier, in order for our communities to know, they have to be in the know, right? And so if they're not connected to our industry, how are they going to know about conferences like Women Grow or any of the other industry um, events? So these opportunities are important for us to get the message so out. So your conference is the same time each year, uh, and so how could folks uh, get more information about your organization? So you can go to our website, um, womengrow.com. We post, we have a Facebook page. We can't boost it, but we can. Um, we have gentle posts about um, being in business and you entrepreneurs. Have, you have gentle posts. Gentle posts. Okay, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> they have a gentle post. Y'all know I don't do gentle posts. <laughs> I don't do those. But, yeah, so you can find us about um, Women Grow on our website, our social media handles, um, and then there are cannabis magazines that will support us. And, you know, to, to Dr. Shonda's point is that what's interesting about that is that our reach on social media is over 2.5 million, right? And so people are really... say our reach, meaning organization. Yes. Our organization, that's correct. And what's interesting is even looking at our conference today, the number of newcomers, people who are interested whether to starting a business or transitioning their careers and... Um, just becoming, you know, applying their skill sets to jobs within the industry. So the fact that we have a reach of over 2 million, the fact that more than half of our attendees are brand new to the cannabis industry speaks volumes to us.
Cool, cool. Are you live streaming any of your events this weekend? Um, some of them we are. So tomorrow we'll have a series of panels. Um, on what platform? On womengrow.com. Okay. Oh, right to the right. But, but, uh... oh, oh, oh. So actually, we're not able to boost, but if you follow us on social media at Women Grow, you will see that we're doing Facebook Lives, right? So Facebook hasn't shut that down. Twitter right, so I'm saying, so, you, so you're going to be, so part of the conference, you're streaming on Facebook Live. Yes, segments of it, yes, absolutely. Okay, got it. All right, cool. All right, well, Groovy, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very Thank much. Thank you. Uh, and uh, look, good luck for the rest of the conference. Thank you. We hope right. you'll come one day. Huh? Will you come and visit us one day? Yeah, no big deal. No, unfortunately, I got to go tomorrow. I have to go to North Carolina. Reverend William Barber's mom is retiring 53 years, and so he leaned on the Alpha Shield to get me to come to the woods, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, so I will be there tomorrow, leaving at eight o'clock in the morning. So uh, otherwise, I definitely uh, will drive by. All right, thank All right, you. Cool. All right, gonna go to the break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, Tamir Rice. His mom does not want the cop who killed her son hired by the Cleveland Police Department. Why do they want him back on the force? Next to Roland Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Hey, folks, they're back. MarijuanaStock.org has another great investment opportunity. If you were lucky enough to invest in their last crowdfunding campaign, you know they raised a lot of money in just a few months investing in legal marijuana farms. Those initial investors now own shares of a publicly traded company. They're on fire. and Certainly a lot of you missed it. Now you have an opportunity. Now they have a new investment opportunity that is as good, if not even better, than the last. I'm talking about industrial hemp CBD. For those who don't know, the hemp plant is the cousin to marijuana with a much higher concentration of CBD, which means hemp CBD gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Now, until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that. Congress made it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all of the plants, and this makes for an incredible investment opportunity. And that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right, they are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. You can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks, up to $10,000. Like I said, you don't want to miss out. To, do, to invest, go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org. Get in the game and do it now. All right, folks, Texas Congressman Mark Vesey wants to make sure America doesn't forget the 320th Battalion on Memorial Day. Here's what he said recently on the floor of the U.S. House. And I want to take a minute today to thank those uh, African-American soldiers during World War II that fought for valor uh, and sacrifice in our country. Uh, you may have not heard of the uh, 320th uh, Battalion, but on the morning of June 6, 1944, uh, the unit of African-American soldiers landed on the beaches of France. Uh, their orders uh, were to man a curtain of armed balloons meant to deter enemy. They flew at an altitude at about 200 feet uh, to defend soldiers landing on the beaches against strafing by German aircraft. 
the battalion served 140 days in France. Uh, one member of the 320th wounded in battle, Waverly B. Woodson, Jr., would later be nominated for the Medal of Honor, an award he would never receive. Uh, the nation's highest decorations was not given to African-American soldiers in World War II. Uh, members of the 320th, the first African-American battalion, included hundreds of soldiers uh, were sent abroad to fight for liberties denied uh, to them at home. The story of the 320th Battalion is a narrative of perseverance uh, in the face of uh, injustice. All right, folks. Again, we certainly hope uh, to see uh, them honored uh, with that. All right, folks. Tamir Rice was shot and killed by police officer Timothy Lowman in 2014 in Cleveland, Ohio. Loman and his partner got a call saying a black male uh, keeps pulling a gun out of his pants and pointing it at people. The caller also told them several times that it was a child and it was a fake gun. Tamir, of course, was playing with his sister at the Kudel Recreation Center, a park in the city of Cleveland's Public Works Department. Loman had been fired and reinstated before he killed Tamir. And folks, now the police union is trying to get another job for him. Joining me on the phone to talk about what's going on is the mother of Tamir Rice, uh, Samaria Rice. Samaria, uh, welcome back. To, welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered. Yes, hi, Roland. How are you? Uh, nice to talk to you again good. since we were at the Maxwell Conference. Absolutely. Yes. Good to uh, chat with you. So, so yes. the, the union is trying, so Loman gets fired and they're trying to get his job back? Yeah, so the president of, pol of the police union, Jeff Farmer, um, he has assisted Timothy Loman with the appeal process um, um, to get his job back. Um, the arbitration told him no, but he appealed it. And now we're just waiting to hear from a, a common pleas um, judge. So, waiting to hear if he's going to say yay or nay. So, what are you doing? How are you galvanizing folks uh, to put pressure for Loman not to get rehired? So I um, teamed up with Move On and Change.org, and um, together uh, we created a petition. And um, the petition basically says um, that, you know, I don't want Loman to get his job back, and please support this. And uh, we galvanized over, you know, maybe almost up to like 200000 but when I did my press conference this past Monday, I was only able to drop off 170,000 petitions to the president of the police union, um, the CPPA. So I did a press conference in Cleveland, and I dropped off five boxes. And um, at that time, it was 170,000, like I said. But right now, we could be well over 200,000 signatures because the petition is actually still going on Move On and Change.org. Um, yes, so I'm just grateful and happy that people um, support this and, you know, want this just as bad as I do. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy about it. I'm overwhelmed. I'm excited, ecstatic that, you know, I have all of this support, that Tamir has all of this support. And that's what we've been doing. And um, on our Facebook and Instagram page, Tamir Rice Foundation, we put a picture of Jeff up there with his two phone numbers to call in to say, stop your efforts in trying to get Timothy Loman rehired. So we've been applying pressure. I'm just hoping that it's going to work for the folks here in Cleveland. You know, this 
Cleveland is very, uh, uh, the dynamics is very unique. Um, again, a lot of my support comes from the outside. So we're going to see. Is the city officially opposing his hiring? Um, if they are, um, they're not on board with me. I have um, some support, uh, like a couple city council. So we have 17 city council. I believe only two jumped on board in support with me. Um, some of the um, Unitarity churches um, had jumped on board with me. Some of our, um, some of the local organizations have jumped on with me. But far as the mayor, the chief of police, they have not said anything to me. Um, as far as support or anything like that, I tried to even get the support of the president of the um, council. He hasn't even jumped on board with um, supporting me. Um, the commission, um, I asked them to um, support me. I believe maybe one or two supported me from the um, commission that was formed um, on behalf of the consent decree being here. So, um, and it's 13 commissions. Jeff Former, he's actually a part of the commission. And I asked him to resign because he cannot play both sides of the fist when it comes to um, trying to be a part of a commission that's supposed to be reforming uh, police officers. And he's steady trying to help this officer get his job back. So I've actually asked him to resign from his position of being on the commission. Like I said, it's 13 people. Um, and he's one of the people and I don't, you know, he just don't need to be on there if he's, you know, trying to advocate for a police officer to get his job back, knowing that he's a murderer and they're trying to give him his job back based on he lied on his application just to give people an update. Samara, when will the judge make a decision? Uh, we're still waiting to hear. I have put a call out um, to some folks to see if I can get an answer. Hopefully soon. We're just waiting to hear um, the common pleas judge. Um, you know, it's, it's in their hands now, so I don't know. All it's right. Been going, it's been going on like three or four months now since we heard about the um, appeal. So I don't know. All right, then. Samaria Rice, we appreciate it. We'll surely keep following this uh, through its conclusion. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Roland. All right, I want to talk, introduce my panel, Dr. Rashawn Ray, Associate Professor of Sociology, University of Maryland, Dr. Neon B. Carter, Department of Political Science, Howard University, Dr. Cleo Monago, Social Political Analyst and Activist. Folks, this is no shock here. I mean, mm -hmm. police unions, look, they are there to fight, fight, fight for these jobs. They don't give a damn that a 12-year-old black kid was killed. They knew what, they know what this cop did was flat out wrong, but they're going to make excuse after excuse to bring him back on the force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I think about this particular incident, I think it, it becomes important to put it in a broader context. The fact that um, African-American teenagers are 16 times more likely to be killed by police officers than white teenagers. And just in general, African-Americans are 3.5 times more likely to be killed by whites when they're not attacking, nor when they have a weapon. And so we have to put this in context. The other thing is I think it's important, and this is what I love about what Mrs. Rice is doing, is we have to end up taking power back. We actually pay their salaries as right. taxpayers. So when we think about that $6 million that was paid out to the family, which isn't, I mean, it isn't even enough, but that money is coming from taxpayer money. Instead, that money should be coming actually from police department insurances. They should be coming actually maybe even from a portion from FOP dues. And part of what happens is, is what 
Cleveland Police Department and the FOP are doing is they are actually continuing to play up the bad apple narrative that exists. This particular officer should not be working anywhere, and all parents should be afraid if he's working anywhere near where their children are. Absolutely, and I think the thing that we're also missing um, is that Officer Lohman was deemed to be inadequate for service mm -hmm. before he took the job when he murdered Tamir Rice. So he is known to be a problem in the field, and absolutely we should expect other things like this to happen with this officer because he is ill-trained and he is ill-suited for this job before this murder occurred. So if the police officer actually cared about him and the safety of the public, they wouldn't have allowed him to be on the street in the first place. But they allowed it, and now they're going to continue to support him, I guess, under this, this, this false claim that he is been found not guilty of anything, right, that he is fit for duty, but this man is absolutely unfit for the job of protecting the public, and he absolutely represents a real danger. Unfortunately, a danger that has the full endorsement of the police union and the state to do whatever uh, to the, the public. Um, so I think this is not just a matter of um, this guy shouldn't have a job because of this bad act. This guy shouldn't have had a job to begin with. It's really interesting also, Cleo, when you look at the, uh, what happened today. Uh, the former Minneapolis cop who killed uh, Justine Diamond got 12 and a half years mm -hmm. in prison, uh, a Muslim cop. Uh, we, look, many of us said the moment we saw the, who this was, we were like, oh, that brother, he ain't getting no support from the union. And the reality is he didn't. Now, there are those of, those of us who, who believe that uh, police officers who commit wrongdoing certainly should go to prison, but it's very telling how the black cop went to jail for 20, 12 and a half years, and even the payment that was made to her family was much larger than what we normally see in any of these cases. Mm -hmm. White woman who was killed. Mm -hmm. And here you have this white cop who kills Tabir Rice, and they're fighting to get his job back. Mm -hmm. Sure, of course it's very telling in terms of what, how black people are treated even when they're cops. But what concerns me, going back to Ohio and to Cleveland, is that a lot of the people who are not coming to this system support are black. A lot of people who, who are part of the city government of Cleveland, and on the city council, and the police department, who are f fighting for this murderer, are black people. And what that raises to, to mind for me is the impact of whiteness on black people over the years and how we've been trained, whether it's conscious or unconscious, to be to accommodate them, even in the face of the murder of a child that was not even a teenager yet. And I think that un unconscious internalized white supremacy short circuits our capacity as black people to care about ourselves or to be apprehensive to care about ourselves in the presence of whites because we don't want to offend them. Sometimes we're more concerned about them than we are about ourselves. Uh, well, and that's a problem. Well, again, it's real interesting. Again, the case of uh, the case of the gentleman, uh, the former cop in Minneapolis, uh, as I said. Uh, in fact, he was a two-year uh, officer uh, on the force, Muhammad Noor. Uh, and this is what he said in the courtroom. Here, we go to my iPad. An emotional. Um, he said, "I knew in an instant I was wrong." Uh, he also apologized said, for taking the life of a perfect person. Remember, she was an unarmed Australian woman uh, who was walking towards uh, his car. Uh, and uh, he was convicted. He was convicted uh, in 2017, uh, but the but the sentencing just took place today uh, there in Minneapolis. All right, folks, let's talk about North Carolina. Well, civil rights leader Reverend William Barber was convicted on Thursday. Forget this trespassing, stemming from his 2017 protest at the North Carolina General Assembly. Now, the crazy thing is they had barred Reverend Barber. From protesting. They were there protesting health care. 
And the Republicans in that state uh, barred him and others. It was him, I think about 46 others, who had gotten arrested saying, oh, they're trespassing if they come back. Well, they actually believe in the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And so they came back to protest, and then they had them arrested. Uh, then he was convicted. The judge pretty much was like, why in the hell are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And so uh, gave him 24 hours of community service which he kind of does every day, uh, and uh, gave him that as well, suspended this 12 months of unsupervised uh, probation as well. But here's what Reverend Barber had to say after the conviction. I want to say this is much bigger than me. This is literally about opening up Southern legislatures to the light of day and to the people's voice and to the people's protest. Uh, I'm deeply concerned that the jury was boxed in uh, they did not get a, a chance to really hear about our Constitution, which is a strange consideration to me that um, the Constitution that governs the legislature. We know that the legislature we have now is an unconstitutionally constituted body. Uh, we know that while this was going on and wasted tax dollars, half million people still don't have health care. People are dying. Uh, people that, that are living with diseases that they could be treated for. But more importantly is we're going to appeal. Uh, it took jurors 22 minutes to find Barbara guilty after four days of testimony that included video footage of his call and response chant protesting health care uh, spending outside of the office of Senator Phil Berger. First of all, Republican in North Carolina, I keep telling people are just stuck on stupid uh, uh, Niambi. And, but, but again, what, what, they, what they're angry about, they're angry about moral Mondays, they're angry about how they were able to mobilize and organize people to have constant pressure against them, and they want to use the law to shut down protesters. And as Dr. Barber's lawyer said, he's like, hey, we're, Dr. King had a criminal record. Absolutely. And this is what he's been doing for almost a decade now, right? This Moral Monday protest has probably been the biggest thorn in the side of the North Carolina state legislature. He has not let these people off the hook, not one iota, not about poverty, jobs, environment, health care, you name it. But this was just about sending a message. And I think they picked the wrong one this day because Reverend Barber and those um, who he is organizing with and who he is rounding up around the state and around this nation are not going to be quieted. I mean, because part of the issue is the state legislature allegedly works for the people of the state of North Carolina and in their best interest. So this is a moment where you have a state law which is in violation of the U.S. Constitution and the rights granted to citizens. And so this should not have occurred. And these people were in no danger. They just were made uncomfortable. They didn't want to have to be accountable to the citizens, and they didn't want to be confronted. That's all this was about. He made too much noise, and he disrupted their day. How? It's hilarious, Cleo, literally to say you're mad that, that citizens, mm -hmm. taxpayers, were there protesting. So therefore, they're trespassing on property they pay for. Absolutely. Well, we know how how incompetent these people are when it comes to mental health. We know how irrational they are, and we know how focused they are. It didn't matter that the doctor was not breaking any laws, doing anything wrong. They want to silence him, like you mentioned. I mean, he's been powerful. He's been consistent. He's been in their face. He's been articulate. He's been breaking down issues based on fact. And he has a multicultural group of people behind him, so they can't simply call it a black thing, though it's a black man heading it up. He's brought him together all kinds of people, so of course they want to silence him, and they, th they thought they did for two minutes. Was it two minutes, three minutes? How long was it? <laughs> 22 minutes. 22 minutes. That's how long it took like them to it. convict. Right. Uh, but uh, I, I, it just, it amazes me 
how, how weak Republicans are. They love calling people snowflakes. No, they're <laughs> soft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I mean, I think about who gets the right to enact the First Amendment mm -hmm. or even right. the Second Amendment. I mean, and essentially what we're talking about is a lack of transparency. Once again, we see another issue where taxpayers pay the money to put these people in office to do things for them. And so part of what's happening is, first, we need the law to be changed. I think, second, it speaks to the fact that taxpayers should demand this particular type of transparency. And then third, we see the way that race, in particular, mutes people's ability to fully enact the First Amendment. And it's highly, highly problematic. And again, when you look at the actions, let's talk about what happened in Syracuse, where a police mm -hmm. officer, Chris uh, Buski, arrested... <laughs> Y'all, this is it's a trip. Arrested Shaolin Moore for playing loud music. Now, remember, we've heard this before. Remember, Jordan Davis <coughs> was shot and killed by a white man in Florida mm -hmm. uh, for, pl for playing a loud music. That white man is in prison for life. Uh, Jordan Davis's mama is now Congresswoman Lucy McBath. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, we're going to play the video for y'all of this cop acting a fool because of loud music. Take it as a form of arrest. Hey, he's telling the truth, man. If you okay. got nothing on you, get it's out a of the car. No, 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 okay. Get the fuck out of the car. I was getting sprayed. Why he doing all that? Why he doing You're all that? No. Why he doing all that? He not resisting or nothing. Why he doing all that? Why he doing all that? Yo, why you punching hey. my man? Hey, what's the deal with this guy? Yup, I'm on you. I ain't... Look, look, they bugging for nothing. Look. Don't you move. I ain't resisting or nothing. Shut it down. What y'all doing all that? y'all doing all that? Why y'all putting me in handcuffs and stuff? Yeah, now here's what's crazy. So, Moore was pulled out of his vehicle mm -hmm. because the cop wanted to search the vehicle. And he said no. So then the cop pulled him out. So now, now we get to search vehicles because of music too loud. Well, but proceeding, wait, what are you looking for? An iPod? But proceeding right. that, he just—he was so disrespectful mm -hmm. and dehumanizing and treating him like and beating, beating. This goes beyond these issues. There's, there's a, there's a, some white people who are really, really angry in this society about the presence of black people. And black people are being killed and harassed and murdered and traumatized because these people have issues. We need to look at how people get to treat people as well, not just shoot them, which is, of course, horrible, but that all this cussing and these are grown people they're, they're talking to like this. But it, this is, I mean, and, and again, the young man did what he was supposed to do, which is, no, you don't get the right to search my vehicle. That is a violation yes. of his Fourth Amendment rights. And I tell anybody, do not let them make them get a warrant. But in, in, in more than that, these noise ordinances are about policing, policing black people, whether it's Reverend Barber in North Carolina saying he's making too much noise or he's playing his music too loud. Because remember, there was a woman in Garner, North Carolina, who had her family pulled out of the house because she was playing mm -hmm. Malcolm X speeches at a tone and at a volume that her neighbors didn't appreciate. And it's like eight officers show up at her house. So there's all of these efforts to police black people just being in the world. So let me, let me read this statement from Syracuse Police Chief uh, Kenton Bucker. Here we go to my iPad. Consistent with the Syracuse Police Department use of force <coughs> protocol, the incident that occurred on Grace and Oswego streets on Friday night was immediately reported to the department following the incident. The case was already under review before the video was posted online. I recognize the concerns that have been raised by the community, and I want to ensure the community that under department protocol, 
When officers used force, including this time, we complete a thorough investigation. The vehicle was pulled over because of a violation of the city's sound reproduction ordinance, a quality of life issue frequently reported to the department for action. Importantly, it occurred immediately following a coordinated police response to Skitty Park, where individuals were involved in the sale of illegal substances and an unlawfully possessed handgun was recovered. Officers heard the noise from the vehicle as they were concluding the drug and weapons investigation at the park. The vehicle was stopped a few blocks from the park. I want y'all to put a pin in that because mm -hmm. uh, I want you to remember that. I'm going to come back to that. The incident is under active review, which will occur on a timely basis. The officers continue to be in service and will be interviewed as part of the review. Let me unpack that. This is the cute job cops always play. So here you have the police chief talking about where the officers came from. At no point in this does it say that Shea Olin Moore and the guy riding with him were selling drugs. Mm -hmm. But he is trying to link the two together, mm -hmm. okay? For instance, in, go back to my iPad, where individuals were involved in the sale of illegal substances <coughs> and an unlawfully possessed handgun was recovered. There's no need to link those two if Moore and his friend were actually not in the park. This is the police chief trying to, con trying to connect drug sales mm -hmm. and a, a legal possession of a handgun with this arrest by saying, oh, they, and I love this here, they, uh, the car, uh, the car uh, officers heard the noise from the vehicle as they were concluding. The vehicle was stopped a few blocks from the park. Mm -hmm. So why in the hell are we discussing the park? <laughs> if the vehicle was stopped a few blocks from the park, why are we discussing the park? That's the game they play by trying to connect black folks to drug selling mm -hmm. as well as an illegal handgun. That's what's going on mm -hmm. here. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, there is, there is a New York City study that looked at 700,000 traffic stops, so actually just people kind of being stopped and frisked. And what it found was that African-Americans were significantly more likely to be stopped relative to whites, but blacks were actually less likely to have something on them. How successful were officers in predicting whether or not someone would have something? They were only 2% successful. So this particular incident plays a role in that. The other thing I think about is being pulled over as a teenager with my windows rolled down and my music playing, and I got pulled over by an officer. I think about my wife who was pulled over after leaving the hospital, taking care of babies, taking care of sick people, and she got pulled over for her music. The ironic thing is that her speakers were actually blown out. So, see, part of this is simply a cover in order to be able to pull people over. I think the other thing is it relates to community oversight committees. Everyone wants uh, community oversight committees. The problem with those, though, is that we actually need a person from those community oversight committees to actually be on the actual review board in the police department. So the one thing that stood out to me, in addition to what you highlighted, Roland, was the fact that the, uh, that the chief said that this is under review. Yes, it's under review internally, by police officers actually aiming yep. to police and hold other yep. police officers accountable. What we need is for people from the community review board to not review these cases after there's already, already a decision made, but they actually need to weigh in on these as a voting party on the actual committee in the police department. And I think part of this is people need, pe people have to continue to record these particular incidents. Mm -hmm. I mean, in this regard, we're simply in MLK's uh, collection of facts, right? We're just in the first step of the nonviolent campaign. Well, in first of all, movement here's the other violence. piece, though. What did the passenger do? Nothing. And honestly... So, you... What? He's under arrest? Yes. 
Because is it? Uh, uh, stop Cause recording. Because he's, he's a witness to what's happening. Honestly, what you read from that police officer, that chief of police, actually is very reminiscent of stories they used to tell about black men after they lynched him. This sounded like the setup to a murder to me. Right. Because dead That's men right. tell no tales. So they were right. already deciding what the story was going to be, which these young men were at this park, were selling drugs, and therefore they are criminals and they deserve to be mistreated, mishandled, and anything else that came after that. I'm just uh, uh, glad that these young men get to go home mm -hmm. tonight. Now y'all understand why black people got mental health issues. Absolutely. We talked about that yesterday with the head of the Black Mental Health Alliance about the rise in suicide rates among black children starting as young as five. Well, today on Capitol Hill, the Congressional Black Caucus held uh, a discussion about that, and actress Taraji P. Henson expressed concern for the issue when she testified uh, before this Congressional Emergency Task Force on Black Youth Suicide and Mental Health. It dawned on me the reason why we don't have psych uh, many psychiatrists, not that we don't have them, um, that they're not easily accessible is because we in the African-American community, we don't deal with mental health issues. We don't even talk about it. We've been taught to pray our problems away. Um, we've been demonized for coming out saying we have issues uh, and we have trust issues. Um, I need the person sitting opposite for me when I go seek help for my mental to be culturally competent. And if you're not culturally competent, how can I trust you with my deepest secrets and with my vulnerability? We can't give up on our kids, and I think that's where it starts. I think we implement mental illness or mental health as, as education in school. It needs to be a subject, just like sex education was, a physical education. It needs to, we need to talk about it. The more we talk about it, the more people will feel like they can talk about it. Um, I really don't know how to fix this problem. I just know that this suicide rate is rising. <laughs> um, I just know the age, the ages of the children that are committing suicide are getting younger and younger. I just, it breaks my heart to know that five-year-old children are contemplating life and death. I just... Uh, and Taraji P. Henson, through her foundation named after her father, uh, held a conference today uh, dealing with the whole issue of mental health. Folks, this is part of our continuing series focusing on the American worker, sponsored by the union AFSCME. And, of course, we know this week we, we dealt with the uh, death of Chef uh, Leah Chase from New Orleans. She passed away uh, six days ago, surrounded by her family. She was eight, 96 years old. And so there is a woman who is a member of the AFSCME union uh, who talked about the importance of food, working for children, and, again, uh, what you must do in the workplace in terms of gaining respect, not only people you work with, but also the respect for workers. Here is this week's American Worker segment. A lot of the times people look at them as juvenile delinquents, but everybody has a past. Nobody's perfect. My name is Tanisha Barnes. I work at New Beginnings Department of Youth Rehabilitation Services, and I'm a cook there. At 3.15, I get up, get myself ready. I have to leave out by, you know, later than 4.25 to get to work. When I get to work at 5 o'clock, I 
cook, prepare breakfast, um, prepare lunch. The population is 30 males, and I just try to let them know that it's okay. We all make mistakes, but it's where you go and what you do after your mistakes to make everything better. When I cook for the kids, and they say, I know you cooked this, because you cooked this with love, didn't you, Ms. B? You put this love in that. Having children and then becoming a union member shows me that it's more that I could fight for um, better education, better paying jobs, safety. You're helping develop something more meaningful in the workforce. I even got my kids involved. We do rallies, we do door knocks. I'm working for myself, I'm working for my children, and I just want them to be proud of me uh, for going after what I believe in and following my dreams as I try to push them to do the same thing. I love my kids and I love the kids I serve, and I'm glad that I can go and make a positive impact on their lives every day. All right, and we surely appreciate AFSCME for being a huge supporter of Roland Martin Unfiltered. Now, uh, I wasn't going to talk about this because I really don't give a damn about a lot of this silly stuff that happens on social media. I don't care about gossip. I don't care about entertainment. But I needed to deal with this. Okay, so how many of y'all have seen people talking about uh, this ridiculous image of uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z sitting courtside at the, at the Game 3 the other night and the wife of one of the Warriors owners leans over uh, and she's talking to Jay-Z, okay? This thing has gotten all crazy. It's, I mean, it's blown up. Well, today, Beyonce's publicist had to release a statement condemning the people attacking this woman. The woman got death threats because of this whole deal. Telling the Beehive, yo, <laughs> shut the hell up and calm down. But this is what bothers me the most about this, okay? Because I really don't give a damn about these stories. I really don't. I think they're stupid. I think people who engage in them are stupid. Yes, I think you're stupid. You're sitting your ass at home. You know nothing about the conversation taking place between Jay-Z, Beyonce, the wife, and the husband. You know nothing. Yet you are sitting at home assuming you know what she's talking to Jay-Z and Beyonce about. The woman says, I was asking them, what do y'all want to drink? Now let me again unpack it. He's the owner. She's the wife. Their guest. Their guest of them. So don't you think that if we're at a game and Rashawn or Dr. Carter or Cleo were sitting next to me, and let's say I was talking to Dr. Carter and Rashawn is sitting right here and it's loud as hell, I'm probably going to lean over to say something. But no, all of these people are losing them. And that's right. That's right. Give him the girl. Give her the side eye. She talking to your man. <laughs> This is stupid. This woman is in tears. She has deleted her Instagram account because she's been attacked and getting death threats and people trashing her. And why do I keep saying her? Because I'm not going to say her name. Because her name is not important. Her husband's name is not important. But at some point, I need people to shut the hell up 
and get on with their own damn lives and stop being so fixated over dumb shit. <laughs> and that's what this is. This is stupid. Absolutely stupid. In fact, there's been more conversation about the side I lean over than what happened on the other side of the court. Mm -hmm. When one of the Warriors owners, who's worth $2.4 billion, pushes Kyle Lowry mm -hmm. when he fell into the crowd. That owner, suspended by the NBA for a year, can't attend any NBA games, fined $500,000. According to some reports, he's likely going to have to sell his shares in the team. Mm -hmm. Because he shouldn't have put his hand on a ball player. When you're sitting courtside, you don't put your hands on it. But my problem is that we, as a society, are caught up in bullshit. The people who are, the, the amount of time, and I know somebody's sitting here saying, well, you're spending time on this. Yes, to tell y'all, shut the hell up. Stop wasting, st it's dumb. Death threats? Well. Because she leaned the hell over to talk to Jay-Z. Really? Really? What? Okay, I knew nothing about this incident at all. Somehow it got past my radar. But are you telling me that people in the so-called beehive saw a woman talking to Jay-Z and got mad and made some projections on what she might have been saying to Jay-Z and started a viral conversation about from from the beehivers. Is that the call? Do you want to take this one? Is that what happened? In a nutshell, I mean, I... Nut I'm, is the I'm, figure of speech. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm like you. I didn't understand what I didn't I, know. that people saw in an exchange between grown people at a basketball game. Grown people. But these are the beehivers. That's what I want to make. These yeah, are the beehivers. These are well, come on fans. now. Be beehivers are... And there are people who I come know. Oh, goodness. People who are smart, educated... <laughs> Who got their ass caught up in this stupid ass story as well? I'm a fan, but that's that woman's husband. Let her worry about that conversation. Like, what does this yeah. have to do with me? But, but here's the deal. <laughs> here's what gets me. Didn't the same Beyonce do a song talking about Becky with the good hair? And didn't he turn around and do a song talking about him being with Becky with the good hair? Really? And, and y'all caught up? <laughs> They're trying to figure out what was being said on the sideline by four rich people. I was saying, these people are still married, so whatever problems they've had, they've monetized those and worked it out, and he's a billionaire, and she's wearing $10,000 worth yeah, of clothes. See, again, I can't be bothered by what's happening in their irrational life. irrational about it. They're irrational. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again. I think that's what's key. Like, like, there are two things that popped out to me. First, that we pay more attention to this particular situation than we did what happened to Kyle Lowry. Oh, let me be real clear. I'm going to show you. First of all, this is, y'all, this the photo. <laughs> this is from the NBC News website. Y'all, this the photo. <laughs> I think it might be another one. Um, this is what, now, we probably going to get flagged. Uh, if, we get, <laughs> if we get flagged by this, this, but I'm playing this from Twitter. Y'all, this the conversation. They were like, oh, she was all leaning in her space. Why is she leaning in her space talking to Jay-Z? Look at the side eye she gave her. Y'all, 
That looks changed. That's what caused these people to lose their damn mind. Beyonce looks like that all the time. I mean, like, it's, it's not, it wasn't, I mean, that particular reaction is interesting to me. But, I think but, it speaks to relationship it, trust no, issues but it's, that people it, no, have. No, but it's stupid people. Yeah. It's stupid people who, but see, this is, this is the thing, because I'm taking this thing even larger. Because what happens is something happens, and it's the image, oh, look how he looked at her. You have no idea right. what was going through that person's mind, mm -hmm. when that happened. You, there's no audio, nothing. But for people to go on this woman's Instagram page mm -hmm. and literally dog her, trash her, mm -hmm. cuss her out to the point where she had to delete the account. One, one person talked to her said the woman was in tears mm -hmm. because this thing has gone all over the place. And what I'm just trying to say is I just need people mm -hmm. to grow the hell up. And see, the reason, the, reason, the reason I'm saying how we value what's important right now, right now on our... Um, YouTube channel, 388 watching. So let me go over here to the Facebook channel. Because I'm about to make a point right here. It's uh, 181 on the Facebook page right now. And then I'm going to go over to the Periscope channel uh, feed right now. And we got um, 100 and 102. Uh, I got about 60 there. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if I put in the line, we are discussing yep. uh, Beyonce sideline gate. Yep. <laughs> yep. Numbers would have exploded. Absolutely. Because people care about stupid stuff. And this is stupid. Mm -hmm. And I need people to learn <laughs> to stop getting sucked into stupid stuff. That's why, just so y'all know, okay? Y'all ain't never seen on this show me talking about so-and-so just broke up. Because I don't give a damn who you dating. So-and-so just got engaged. Okay, great. I don't care. But are you in the beehive? I ain't talking about the beehive. I'm broad this thing. Right. I'm broad this thing. Beehive people are obsessed. And they don't want they didn't want her garment to be soiled. It's the same as the Mariah. I, I, I just said my Mariah Carey one night. All her folks lost their mind. I'm like, oh, y'all can go to hell, too. <laughs> I told them on Twitter. And I, <laughs> no, oh, look, here's the I'm telling you. I don't care if y'all come, if you gay and you come out, that's your business. If you have a baby, that's your business. Wasting valuable time on petty, insignificant, personal stuff. If you want to watch E! News, you want to watch the rest of those shows for it, go right ahead. But literally, the amount of stuff that exists, I can't even put all the stuff in a show mm -hmm. that I want to put in a show mm -hmm. because of the amount of time. Right. And I'm just saying, if you a mama or uncle or aunt or you a daddy or you, if, if you got a family member calling that, you say, yo ass stupid for wasting all this damn time on that. And and somebody got to go ahead, somebody got to just say it. Right, and also the time that they spent retweeting and tweeting yeah. about this story, they could have supported Samaria Rice. It's Beyonce. Right? And they could have filled out a, a, a petition. That oh, hold up, hold up. Call. But even if you ain't want to do all that, just shut the hell up. Well, that's that, also that, free. I, mean, I, I, like, I, <laughs> I literally can't imagine going to the Instagram feed of somebody. Right, some stranger. Some stranger and say, and cussing them out. And I hope you die and all this other nonsense. Cussing a stranger out mm -hmm. who invited them to the Over game. Over people you don't know. Because Beyonce Jay-Z ain't season ticket holders of the Warriors. But you They were invited <laughs> by the two people who was talking to them. Let me let y'all know something right now. <laughs> Roland got some, ro my, Roland got some courtside seats. And 
I invite Beyonce and Jay-Z, y'all kiss my ass. I'm gonna talk to them, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna lean the hell over. We gonna talk to them. I don't give a damn what none of y'all gotta say. But it's childish <laughs> and petty. <laughs> well, clearly, I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I really, I said I was not gonna discuss it. But I need, I, no, 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 but I need to discuss that because sometimes we need to tell our own people, stop doing stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And this to me is stupid. Now, was also stupid, all y'all dumb asses who get on airplanes and put your damn feet Uh. on the seat with somebody sitting right there. Keep your damn feet (laughs) in your damn shoes. (laughs) Anybody trying to smell your funky ass feet? This happened this week, and I had to play it. I mean, kids keep it honest. They tell it like it is. And what's important is they typically say things that, as adults, we should say to other people before things escalate. Because it was kind of simple. He was like, who is his foot? Whose foot is this behind me? It's a lady. So he's he's shocked that it's a grown person having the audacity to do that. And people invade people's personal space all the time on planes. You know, like, there was a debate on Twitter about who gets the armrest. Does the person in the middle get the two armrests and the people on the outside get the two on the outside? I mean, these Or the black person or the white person. I be doing this with the white guy all the time. I mean, (laughs) Kind of push me over when we... But but I think the honesty of kids (laughs) is what's highlighted here. And I think it's important that I think oftentimes, as we get socialized throughout life, there are certain things that we would normally have done as children that we don't do anymore. And I think we can learn a lot from kids who choose to engage things. Why did he say... I would have cussed the ass out. Why did he say it's a lady? Lady. Yeah. Because because he was shocked shocked that it was an adult. No, yeah, I think he was shocked that it was an adult he lady. Yeah, yeah. Right. He thought, it was, it, was, yeah, he thought it was a, a kid. Yeah. A, dude, a dude put that big old foot up there. It probably would have been not surprising him, but that it was a woman seemed yeah. to but stand out this, for him. I've seen this behavior before, and I'm sorry, people's lack of respect for other people's mm-hmm. personal space and what they want to experience. I've seen people clip their nails on the plane, and mm. I think that's disgusting. I don't want your DNA with me when I go mm. home. And he did what he ought to do. What I would have done is like, can you please move yeah. your foot? Oh, hold on, no, no. She did move. She did because he was ashamed. Not because she thought it was a Way, you way too nice. See, I see right would. there. See right there, y'all. What, I, 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 what you have said? Would you please be <laughs> <my feet? laughs> Hey, y'all. Let me tell you how that would have went down. <laughs> Henry, don't switch to them. Stay right here. <laughs> Stay right here. I, no, let you. No, I'm directing the damn show. Stay right here. This how, we on the plane. <laughs> foot would have moved. Yeah. I wouldn't even have to yeah. get out of my mouth. Right. Could you please move your foot? It would have been, hey! <laughs> That's all that would have happened. Right, right, right. Matter of fact, they would have heard a C-32A. <laughs> hey! That's what would have happened. I'm just letting you know. That's what would have happened. I hear you. You putting your funky-ass foot next to my chair, 
Yeah. And why that's okay behavior. Yeah. Why no one on the plane, not even the flight attendant said, ma'am, you yeah, can Henry put your switch. foot on. And also, it's, <laughs> the plane is dirty. I wish I would take my shoe off on the plane. Y'all snobs. I mean, it's so disrespectful. Like, like It's like, nasty. Like, it's so disrespectful. It's nasty. Now, if you got socks on... It's a long flight. Listen, that becomes slightly different. Let, let me also let me okay. Let, let, let me also help y'all out. Okay, as uh, look, I'm I'm, I'm Premier One K on United. I'm on, I'm on all of black. So okay, three seat, but also two seat. Let me, let me help y'all out. There's a trick. Okay, you ain't got to fight over that damn armrest. Okay, when you're seated in the aisle seat, it's tight because you fighting. I ain't sitting by the window in a three seat. Mm -hmm. It ain't gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Only way that's gonna happen, if it was a last minute, I ain't got no other choice. Mm -hmm. So, here's the deal, y'all. Most of y'all don't even realize this here. Aisle seats. Yep. There is a button under the armrest on the aisle seat that lifts the armrest mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. So all you gotta do is lift that turn and then shell. You just turn to the aisle. You can have all this free space, whatever. Now, when they come yep. with the cart and everything, you gotta you slide your behind back. I'm just saying, say I don't even, like, I was on a plane, the dude look at me like, how the hell did he yeah. just, y'all, seriously, y'all think I'm like, some of y'all at home right now going, huh, seriously, there's a button, slide your hand to the back of the armrest, Cleo, like, damn, I didn't know. Oh, yes, I'm an owl person. Yeah, you yeah. owl person? Yeah, I can't say you owl person. All about the, right. I've got all the owl foot. Yeah, the only reason I knew that is because one day I couldn't fly first class because first class was full, and then I, was, I remember that story, I was like, hold up, I got that button. <laughs> so there's a button, y'all gotta click the button, armrest come up. Yo, you got freedom, you turn this way. Mm -hmm. But we ain't sitting here uh, fighting them. But see, this is what also I do. I intimidate folks. Just put the damn armrest up. And then when they're going to try to pull it down, the hell your armrest is here. No, nah, it ain't coming down. So we're gonna, it's gonna be free. we ain't fighting over the armrest. It's going to be free damn space. Yep. <laughs> we ain't going to get real close. We ain't fighting over the armrest. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things I like about Southwest, because when I get on the aisle, right, and people are coming in, they just go straight past me because they typically don't want to sit by me, right? And so, but if I'm flying That's on another true. airline, I'm, I'm definitely trying to get an aisle seat, and I'm definitely lifting, lifting the, the aisle uh, armrest arm up. Put your funky foot up. We got a problem. Mm -hmm. All right, y'all. Last story here. 1964, professional golfer Pete Brown became the first African-American to win a PGA-sanctioned tournament. The Waco Turner Open took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Pete's golfing career began by playing in a tournament hosted by the United States Golf Association, the United Golf Association, an organization formed by a group of African-American golfers who operated a series of professional golf tournaments for blacks during the era of racial segregation in America. One of the folks, of course, who was behind that was the great boxer, the Brown Bomber. Who was that? What you got? Y'all Joe Lewis. Joe, Joe, Joe Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Right. <laughs> At that time, blacks could not play in the PGA sanctioned tournaments due to the Caucasian only clause of the PGA. Well, fast forward today, uh, the Pete Brown Golf Facility will honor him by renaming a course after him. Of course, Pete died a couple of years ago, and so it's certainly uh, an honor. All right, y'all. Uh, last uh, comment here. Uh, final comment. Anything you want? Anything you want to say? Anything happened this week? What you got? Go. Well, I just want to go back to the mental health issue, if I can, for a moment here, because I have some concerns. Uh, a quick moment. A quick moment. This is called a fi rap final Not, wrap 19 up 19 years ago, Dr. Alvin Poussant and I were on a panel for the National Association of Equal Opportunity in Higher Education in 2001. He had a book that he put out called Lay My Burden Down, which was about African-American suicides. And it was about it being high and disproportionate back then. And then it went silent. I just hope that Taraji's activity does not do the same thing because it's, if we would have did something back then when Poussant put his book out, we not, might not be looking at this issue like we're looking at it now. And we tend to get fired up for a moment around issues that affect us. Right. Then we go back into the trance. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah.
I would just say that we can actually do multiple things at the same time, right? We can actually pat our head and rub our tummy. So we can watch the gossip, but don't forget to keep your eye on what's happening with your government in your local communities, in your mm -hmm. state, because that is vital. We are looking at a president right now that is a criminal in so many ways. We are looking at state governments like North Carolina, like Georgia, that are trying to steal your rights. So while you're paying attention to Beyonce and Jay-Z, make sure you are also looking at what's happening in your community, because that's actually going to affect your life. Those people will be rich tomorrow when you wake up and you still won't know them. Mm. You know, one of the things you, one of the segments you highlighted was about work, and the big thing that stood out to me was about rehabilitation. And part of that is that uh, Flick Shop School of Business has been starting to do a lot of work using virtual reality to help train incarcerated people for when they get out. Because if we link the cannabis story with the work story, part of what's happening now is that we, cannabis is an example where we continue to see another example of where uh, black people have gotten screwed over, not just financially, but legally, and a lot of other people are starting to make a lot of money. So that's why I was happy to see these sisters on this show talking about that, because we need to change the laws to actually make things legal across the country, and then we need to actually do some reform with individuals who are in prison. We're, we're uh, developing a virtual reality mm -hmm. program for job training, onboarding people when they get out of prison, and I think these particular things are important because we don't want to see the recidivism rate continue to rise. All right, folks, my final comment. Uh, we have surpassed 2,000 folks uh, who have joined our Bring the Funk uh, fan club, 2022 to be exact. Uh, we launched this show nine months ago. Uh, anniversary was a couple of days ago. We launched this on September 4th, 2018, of course, and now it is June 7th, 2019. And we certainly appreciate every single person who has contributed. Our goal was to have 20,000 of our supporters uh, give at least 50 bucks a year to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Those of you who have joined our fan club, you have a discount code for products that we have on RollingSmartin.com, including books, and we're going to be adding some other things as well. Why is this important? Because this week was a perfect example. We did the two-and-a-half-hour show on Wednesday celebrating the life of Leah Chase, of course, who passed away, the great chef out of uh, New Orleans. Next week, on Wednesday, we're going to be in Miami for the American Black Film Festival. Shaft is premiering. We're going to be there, but also we're going to be talking to a number of uh, up-and-coming uh, directors. Because, see, guess what? The John Singletons, the Will Packers, they were able to go to ABFF and actually learn their craft and get, uh, get uh, lots of uh, connections. I'm going to be moderating a Q&A with Reggie Hutland about his uh, new Netflix documentary, The Godfather, which is on now, uh, talking about Clarence Avon, of course, uh, who was involved in the uh, music industry, but also in Hollywood and the civil rights industry as well, plus in politics. Uh, and also, we'll be at New Orleans for Essence Music Festival, but also traveling in other parts around the country. Uh, you have NAACP convention in uh, July. You have the National Urban League taking place, National Dental Association here uh, in D.C. In fact, June 18th, we're going to be live streaming uh, a summit dealing with the United States Census, its impact on African Americans. Why am I saying all of that? Because the reality is uh, there's no other show in the digital space like this. None. You can try to find it. Don't exist. There are people who have shows. But are they doing a full-fledged uh, one-hour news shows every single day? No. Are they doing live streaming of summits, of conferences, of rallies, things along those lines? They are not. Also, you take that with our one-hour interviews. And so we're doing a hell of a whole lot with not much. And I, the reason I say that's also critically important because uh, we love to talk about what we need, what we need, what we need. But somebody has to build it. Somebody actually has to build it. Okay, Ebony Magazine didn't just all of a sudden just happen. No, it was built by Johnny's Johnson, uh, taking a loan from his mother, bargaining against her furniture to start uh, the magazine, to start Negro Digest, to start Jet Magazine. When you look at all of these companies, that's what it requires. 
we've been going for nine months. I haven't paid myself a salary because we're trying to keep the doors open and pay staff. And so we can't talk about why we don't get our stuff covered when we don't have the platforms to actually do it. So we want you to join our fan club to help us do that. We're talking about if you gave 50 bucks in a year, that's for folks about uh, four bucks a month, 13 cents a day. And I can tell you the conversations that we have are a hell of a lot more vibrant than what you're paying 200 bucks a month for watching what you, on those cable networks. And so we want you to support us and we want you to do it today. And so uh, this month, my goal is to get us a thousand new fan club members in the month of June. Uh, you can sign up right now by going to rollandmartinunfiltered.com. You can go to, uh, you can do so with PayPal, Square, or even Cash App. If you do, do use Cash App, be sure to put your email down so we can send you the promo code. So we certainly would greatly appreciate that. Again, tomorrow I go to North Carolina, Reverend Dr. William Barber, his mom retires. Uh, 53 years of service. And so we're going to be uh, in North Carolina celebrating her. Uh, he hit me up. He was there, man, you, you got to come, got to come. He was leaning on an alpha shield uh, trying to get me to uh, come to North Carolina. Uh, here we go to my iPad. This is the program here uh, for his mother. Uh, it's taking place uh, Saturday, June 8th. So 4 p.m., uh, Plymouth High School Gymnasium uh, Community Celebration of Music and Arts honoring Mrs. Eleanor Barber for her retirement and 53 years of service. And so we are looking forward to that. Um, and and uh, Greenlee, so y'all can also tell, uh, everybody know where this is, because uh, he sent the fly. They ain't even put the, city, the, the town. It's in North Carolina. They ain't even put the town on here. Plymouth High School gym, gym, Gymtorium. Y'all know what that means? I'm going to Plymouth, North Carolina. That's probably where I'm going. Uh, and he told me, he said, Roland, you coming to the country. He said, you coming to the country. And so, again, I'm going to be there tomorrow. And so we'll certainly look forward to it. Uh, folks, we hope you all have a great weekend. We're going to close the show out, of course, uh, playing for you. All the folks who've given to our uh, uh, fan club, and I appreciate every single one of you because your dollars makes this show possible and makes it possible for us to do what we do. And so I shall see you on Monday.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.